If you're a Sun Devil fan, this decade started just like the last one ended with a big smile on your face. As Arizona State football ends 2019 with a precious ball win, a 2014 victory over Florida State in the Sun Bowl. In the first week of 2020, this program has reached unparalleled heights with its recruiting class having three four-star prospects publicly announce their pledge to the Sun Devils. We will devote most of our podcasts to Arizona State's recruiting class and the impressive gains that have been recorded. And unfortunately, we're definitely not saving the best for last talking about ASU basketball. But this is a program that is really struggling right now. A big loss tonight to its arch rival. And certainly, this is a team that even though they just started Pac-12 play tonight, finds itself in a major crossroads of the season. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get this thing started. Was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Welcome to the Devil's Junkies podcast. I'm your host and devilsdotis.com publisher, Hoda Rubino. Hope everyone listening had a great, happy new year. Wishing you and yours a very prosperous 2020. And when it comes to prosperity, Arizona State, when it comes to its 2020 recruiting class, is definitely feeling really good about themselves right now. And as much as this is not a visual medium, it's uh, really not doing justice for this recruiting class, not to mention some key stats about the group of newcomers that Arizona State has assembled to date. Uh, There's still going to be some additions, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. But right now, here are some numbers to chew on. Arizona State's 2020 recruiting class is now sitting at number 24 on Rivals.com. We talked many times about the great push that the Sun Devils want to make recruiting-wise in Southern California, really in the state of California for that matter. And you talk about mission accomplished. Not only did Arizona State land five of the top 25 prospects of that state, but that is the most of any program in the country, whether you're looking at Pac-12 powerhouses like Oregon or powerhouses a few time zones over that have done very well recruiting instead of California, such as Alabama, Ohio State. Here is Arizona State with the most top 25 California prospects. That is something that I don't know if we'll see with at least with some kind of frequency in the years to come, but an unbelievable achievement by the Sun Devil staff in that regard. Arizona State right now has nine four-star high school prospects, the most it ever had in any recruiting class. Sometimes Arizona State can have more than a handful of four-star prospects, and that can be inflated, quote-unquote, by junior college transfers, which don't always really justify lofty ranking, if they should have some. Uh, I know the name Andy Goodenough, uh, for example, who was a five-star quarterback back in the day out of the JC ranks is probably a prime example of that. But it's not only being ranked in the top 24, but having so many talented high school prospects, let alone so many high-caliber prospects for one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in the country in California. Unbelievable job by the Arizona State staff. Antonio Pierce has done very well in Southern California. 
like he's done basically ever since he got hired by Herm Edwards. Arizona State's defensive line, lineman coach Jamar Cain has done an excellent job in Northern California. All the recruits that he landed from that region, aside from one, are four-star recruits. The, uh, two, the two defensive linemen that committed to Arizona State that Jamar Cain obviously was heavily involved in are both four-star guys. So you talk about an assistant coach that in his first year in Tempe has done a great job hitting the ground running when it comes to recruiting. Arizona State currently is ranked third among all Pac-12 teams when it comes to their recruiting class rankings. Uh, Just another example of the uncharted waters that Arizona State is navigating these days. When it comes to actual average star rating of the class, Arizona State is ranked tied for 16th, which with a small class, I think that is maybe the more accurate ranking to go by, so to speak, because Arizona State is not going to have more than 20 players that are going to count in the 2020 class rankings. They're probably going to have uh, one one or two less than that. So it just shows you what a great job this coaching staff has done with this, with this group of newcomers and really addressing a lot of areas of need. So let's just go one by one and discuss those players that have signed with ASU to date. So starting on offense and looking at running back, it's been a while since Arizona State signed two four-star running backs. And in this class, they have Daniel Nada, one of the three four-star prospects that did publicly commit uh, this week. Uh, Daniel Nada is from Folsom, uh, California. He was ranked as the number six all-purpose back in the 2020 class. And really, when you classify somebody as an all-purpose back, it's essentially a player that can really flex out, be a factor in the passing game. And anybody that watches the film of Nada knows that he definitely has those capabilities. When I talked to his Folsom high school head coach, he just talked about what a dynamic player he would be. And if you, when you talk about that change of pace running back for an offense, when you talk about the lightning versus the thunder element of a running game, then Daniel Nada is definitely that lightning quick, no pun intended, running back that really adds a lot of athleticism and really opens up a lot of capabilities, a lot of possibilities for your offense in certain formations and certain plays that you can, as an offensive coordinator, can call in any given game. So the Thunder component, if you will, for Arizona State's running game is represented by DeMonte Trainum, who is ranked the sixth Best prospect in the state of Ohio. Yes, I did say the state of Ohio, Arizona State, had a very successful recruiting process a few time zones over to land this very physical running back ranked top 20 in his position. And look, it's anybody's guess how ready mentally a true freshman running back will be in his first year for playing for a Power 5 program. However, physically, this young man is absolutely chiseled if you see any picture of his online and when you talk about personal best in the weight room 365 pounds benching 595 squatting so suffice to say that physically this 511 215 pound running back is definitely ready for the next level at least in that component and that really can be in a lot of cases just half the battle coaches so many times talk about the physical and mental challenges that an 18-year-old kid has 
going up against a player who's 21, 22 years old. But in terms of the physical component, I think that DeMonte Trainum will do quite well, thank you, with his uh, physicality. Now the question is, how quick can he pick up the offensive playbook? One thing to keep in mind, and we'll mention this element later on with some other prospects, but both DeMonte Trainum and Daniel Nada are going to enroll in Arizona State this month. They will be ready to participate in spring practice that starts at the last week of February. More importantly, be part of the strength and conditioning session that's going to start in the middle of January and run for about a month and a half all the way up into spring practice. Uh, Also, just get acclimated to life as a student-athlete instead of being thrown to the fire as a lot of other guys that are coming here in the summer and then a month later they need to start fall camp. And it's been demonstrated time after time what the advantages are for a true freshman arriving here in the spring versus arriving here in the summer. And to have these very two talented running backs being here early on campus really could be worth its weight in gold and pay a lot of dividends down the road for the Arizona State ground attack. Moving on to wide receivers, and if you haven't been impressed enough by this 2020 recruiting class and the caliber of players that Arizona State has been able to add, just keep in mind that Arizona State actually inked four wide receivers, all of them four stars. So in other words, for the first time ever, the Sun Devils have a recruiting class of multiple wide receivers, which none of them are three stars or less. Quite an achievement. Just another example how special, talent-wise, this Sun Devil 2020 recruiting class is. So going over the list over there, uh, a prospect that did commit publicly earlier this week, Elijah Badger, who is a teammate of Daniel Nada at Folsom High School, a wide receiver that was portrayed by his high school head coach as being very physical. He stands 6'1", 181 pounds. I know there's been some talk in the past that maybe he actually would end up playing in the, in the defensive backfield, but I think for now, Arizona State feels that the wide receiver group is one unit that needs to be updated right away, and I think the Badger definitely to start with and probably even to stay down the road will be lining up at wide receiver. When you have a generational quarterback such as Jaden Daniels, you need to surround him with as many weapons as possible and Elijah Badger can definitely be one of those aerial targets that can prove very productive for Daniels in the passing attack for Arizona State. The only player in this class that Arizona State was able to flip their commitment from a previous school is Johnny Wilson, a 6'6", 230-pounder from Calabasas High School in Southern California. Wilson was previously committed to Oregon. He's a top 100 player, uh, somebody who's going to be Probably a hybrid tight end wide receiver, and I think that is a role that's going to be very unique and very productive to what new offensive coordinator Zach Hill and the system he wants to run. If you watch film from his Boise State days, there's a lot of that hybrid tight end wide receiver element in his offense, and I think Johnny Wilson would really fit quite nicely in that role that Zach Hill is probably preparing for him. Johnny Wilson is ranked 89th in the country among all prospects, top 15, both in the state of California as well as his position at wide receiver. Uh, Obviously, 
just by his sheer size, could be a, a mismatch nightmare for opposing defenses and somebody who really has a chance to be very, very productive. Uh, I, I think that not only the hybrid element of it, but just the ability to run two tight end sets and have at least one of those tight ends be a very capable receiver, Johnny Wilson definitely fits that role quite well. The last four-star prospect that did publicly commit to Arizona State this week is L.V. Bunkley Shelton from Gardena Sierra High School in Southern California, the same high school that produced linebacker Merlin Robinson. And by the way, as a quick note, when they talk about the three players, Nada Badger and Bunkley Shelton, who publicly committed to Arizona State this week, what I mean by that is that all three of them did sign the letter of intent back in the early signing period in the middle of December. They wanted to announce in their respective high school all-star games. Uh, L.V. Buckley Shelton announced Saturday night at the Army All-American game. Both Badger and Nada announced at the Under Armour All-American game a couple of days earlier. So Arizona State did agree to keep those signings uh, under wraps and allow those three players on the biggest stage when it comes to high school All-Star games to announce their pledge publicly. Needless to say, that is a great publicity tool for Herm Edwards, for the Arizona State program and the fine recruiting class that they assemble. But getting back on topic, L.V. Buckley Shelton definitely fits that slot wide receiver role that is vacated by both outgoing seniors Kyle Williams and Ryan Newsom. He is somebody that his high school coach portrayed as a first down machine, uh, really described him as not a route runner, but a route winner. So somebody who definitely has the technique and the mechanics to be very precise with it, with his route running. And that is something that definitely cannot be taken for granted when it comes to young wide receivers who usually just solely rely on their, on their athleticism. L.V. Buckley Shelton is really portrayed as somebody who is a gym rat, somebody who is a grinder, great work ethic, uh, being ranked uh, top 100, much like Johnny Wilson, number 97 to be exact. So a great, great talent for Arizona State. Not only just another aerial weapon for Jaden Daniels, but really, again, fitting that slot wide receiver role quite well for Arizona State. That can be really crucial as they try to replace Kyle Williams, who was a very productive wide receiver for ASU. Last but not least, we'll talk about the longest tenured commit, if you will, in this 2020 recruiting class, Chad Johnson Jr., yes, the son of Ocho Cinco, that one of the most colorful NFL wide receivers to ever play the game. Chad Johnson Jr. from Cathedral High School in Los Angeles was committed to Arizona State since October 29th, 2018. So when you will talk about somebody who really stuck it out, and not only really stu- stuck it out, but also was quite active in trying to recruit other players near and far. Uh, Chad Johnson definitely fits uh, that that bill. At 6'2", 180 is probably the best speed and strength combination. Somebody has really good foot, footwork, but can also create separation, not because of his dynamic element of his game, but also because of his size. So somebody that really replaces maybe Brandon Ayuk, not so much in the production we can expect from years to come, but just in his build of somebody who, again, is strong enough to go against good tacklers at safety, but also 
quick enough in some respects to really outrun some cornerbacks. Arizona State signed only two offensive linemen. Both of them, however, will be here for spring practice and rolling at Arizona State later on this month. So again, when you talk about young players getting a leg up on some of their freshman teammates and especially a role as an offensive lineman that takes a long time to develop, that is definitely important for these two offensive linemen to arrive here in Tempe earlier rather than later. First one is a local product, Ben Bray from Red Mountain High School here in Mesa, somebody who stands 6'5", 270, so not only really slotted to play tackle, I think can be a very effective guard as well, but somebody who really, somebody who's considered to be a high IQ player, a very good student in the classroom, and somebody who played for an offense that averaged 46.3 points a game, including 250 yards rushing average, so definitely part of a high-performing high school team over there at Red Mountain. The other high school offensive lineman signed by the Sun Devils is Jacob Nunes from Lompoc, California, 6'4", 280. He is uh, more of a just road grader guard, if you will, somebody who is much more adept probably at this stage of his career, run blocking versus uh, pass blocking. He was a good athlete who also participated in the wrestling and track and field teams and really just your typical blue-collar offensive lineman. Uh, somebody, again, that time is still on his side to develop to be a more well-rounded offensive lineman for ASU. As we know, the Sun Devils did have to part ways with two high school offensive linemen just because of the urgency to have linemen in this class that, that can really contribute sooner rather than later and wanted to bring some graduate transfers at this role to help out with the 2020 team. But nonetheless, I think the fact that Arizona State never had any thoughts of parting ways with either Nunez or Bray says a lot about how highly valued they are in the eyes of the Sun Devil staff. So that concludes our discussion about talking about the offensive newcomers in this class. Now let's move on to the defense. We knew that in the 2019 campaign, Arizona State definitely had some issues with pass rushing, especially from the defensive line position. And I think that when it comes to the 2020 class, even though they signed only two players, I think these are two very important components of this group of newcomers and players who I believe can really make an impact during their first year in Tempe. The first one is Omar Norman Lott from Grant Union High School in Sacramento, 6'3", 296. Really a lineman that you look at him and you think, okay, classic nose tackle, especially in the 3-3-5 scheme, but somebody that I wouldn't be surprised that would line up, if not full-time, at least on some downs, also on the outside, because I think aside from his natural and obvious, I should say, abilities to plug the middle, plug the A-gap, he can really also be an effective pass rusher playing uh, on, on either side of, it, of, an, of a nose tackle. So somebody that I think is really, really versatile, especially, especially a defensive lineman. Obviously, the most interesting fact concerning this Arizona State newcomer is that Norman Lott is the nephew of Arizona State's defensive line coach, Jamar Kane, 
Norman Lott was actually the ring bearer years and years ago in Cain's wedding. Cain's wife and Norman Lott's mother are sisters. So I think the fact that Norman Lott is getting instruction from his uncle really creates a, a great degree of comfort, probably compared to other players on the team that are just not as familiar, obviously, with the respective coaches. So you would hope that this is an environment that is really conducive for Norman Lott to be an early contributor on this team. And again, you just can't speak enough to how much Arizona State needs a good pass rusher from its defensive line position. And I think Omar Norman Lott may not be the only answer in that department, but definitely can be a significant contributor in that aspect of the defense, which again was sorely lacking this past season. The other defensive lineman, also a four-star prospect, is Joe Moore from St. Louis, ranked top 10 in the state of Missouri, top 15 among weak side defensive ends in the 2020 class. Moore stands 6'3", 240. Even though he might have the versatility, much like Norman Lott, to play inside or outside, I see him as a more classic defensive end. Uh, definitely has good size for for a defensive end already with his current frame, and I know he's only going to only going to grow stronger. Uh, both him and, and Norman Lott actually do arrive here in the summer, so it would really be imperative for them to pick up whether it's the physical element of the game or the mental aspect of playing a Division One Power Five program to pick it up as quickly as possible because I think that's another player that the Arizona State coaches are counting on to really be in the rotation as a true freshman because let's face it, the competition that Moore is facing are by and large players that are only one year older than him and I don't think are physically or athletically more imposing than him. So wouldn't be somewhat surprised to see somebody like Moore not figure in the two deep during Arizona State's season opener, but time will tell. You never know how quickly, how slowly a true freshman can adjust to all the nuances of the game. Next, let's talk about the linebackers. And one of the crown jewels of this class, in my opinion, is linebacker Jordan Banks, a four-star prospect from Narbonne High School in Southern California, Harbor City, to be exact. Ranked top 20 prospect in the state of California. Ranked top 10 among inside linebackers in this 2020 recruiting class. He attended the same high school as sophomore linebacker for Arizona State, Darren Butler. So again, we're seeing that trend of Arizona State going back to high schools where they had previous success recruiting players to Tempe and striking gold again in this 2020 recruiting class. Jordan Banks, one of the best linebackers, not only in California, but really in, in, in the entire region, stands 6'2", 230, <clears throat> somebody who's versatile enough to play either inside or outside. And he's another prospect that is going to arrive here in the spring. So I'm very curious to see where he lines up to begin with, which position ends up suiting him the best. Uh, To have him alongside Merlin Robinson and Darren Butler, I think that is one heck of a linebacker unit for Arizona State. And on paper, maybe the best linebacker unit we've seen in Tempe in a long, long time. When you watch Banks on film, you can tell that he's just, a very natural pass rusher, does a great job using his hands, but is definitely also just quick enough with his God-given athleticism to reach opposing backfields, sometimes with really great ease. 
And even though there'll be a lot of expectations placed on him as a true freshman, but again, when you play alongside two proven linebackers in this league, or maybe who actually might be battling for a starting position head-to-head with Merlin Robinson or Darren Butler, I think this really would take a lot of pressure off of him. I mean, he won't be seen as the savior of this defense or the savior of the of the linebackers group just because there are really established players playing around him. And I think that would allow him to succeed in the program sooner rather than later. And again, the fact that, it, that he's coming in the spring is really, really huge for him and really, really huge for this linebacker group, which again, I think has the potential really to be off the charts good in 2020. The other linebacker signed in this 2020 recruiting class is another Southern California prospect, a three-star prospect, Caleb McCullough from Pacifica High School in Oxnard, stands 6'2", 210. When you look at this stat line of his senior year, and I know he played in the 2A division in the state of California, but nonetheless, uh, you talk about an absolute monster campaign to close out his prep career. 217 total tackles recorded, 16 tackles for a loss, two forced fumbles, one interception, one sack. And he, he played for a school that actually was able to capture the 2A CIF state championship in, in California. So coming from a winning program, I know that's something that the Arizona State coaches really highly value because when you come from a winning tradition, that mindset, if you will, can sometimes translate really well to the college level. And that's what they hope they can get with Caleb McCullough, somebody who ASU linebackers coach Antonio Pierce thought was very underrated in terms of the amount of love or lack thereof that he was receiving from various recruiting services. Somebody who thought that because he was playing a little away from the beaten recruiting path of California all the way up there in Oxnard, maybe wasn't getting his due in terms of the recruiting accolades. And Pierce is absolutely elated when you listen to him talk about McCullough to land this linebacker for the Sun Devils. Maybe in some ways reminds you of Darren Butler, who was actually rated lower than McCullough coming out of high school, end up being a very productive player for ASU, recognized around the league as one of the better linebackers. So maybe Caleb McCullough in some regards is is Darren Butler 2.0. And if that's the case, I think that's a proposition that Antonio Pierce, the coaching staff, and ASU fans for that matter would gladly accept. The last position group we'll talk about is the defensive backs. One of the only position groups in this 2020 recruiting class, along with offensive line, that does not have four-star prospects signed. But nonetheless, I think a very talented and intriguing group on its own merit. We'll start with T. Lee from Buford, Georgia. So again, Arizona State traveling uh, quite a bit across the country to land one of its players in this recruiting class. Uh, There were some existing connections over there at Buford High School where I think one or maybe even two coaches of that staff actually played for Edwards in the NFL back in the day. That allowed Arizona State to get their foot in the door and land a player such as T. Lee over there. Stands 5'10", 170. Somebody who, like other defensive backs, not only in this class but even previous ones, maybe not locked in right now to playing either cornerback or safety. And when I say safety, I take the Tillman safety position out of the equation because that actually does require a certain type of athlete. And none of these 
defensive backs that were signed by Arizona State to date can play the Tillman safety position. But as far as the other two safety positions and the cornerback position, they definitely can play that role. Uh, Somebody who, like other players in this class, uh, was actually part of a championship uh, program, Buford High School, went 14-1 and in the 2019 season, captured the uh, 5A Georgia State Championship. He was named uh, one of the top defensive backs in the state by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, he was part of a very stingy defense in high school that allowed only 12.8 points per game. So somebody who really, again, when you talk about that winning mentality that he had in high school, translating that to the college level, uh, Tealy is definitely one player that does check uh, that box. Somebody who definitely has elite track speed, really, really athletic, and that really allows him to play either cornerback or safety. He is arriving here in the spring as well, part of that group of 10 players that is enrolling early at Arizona State. So really curious to see uh, where he's lining up on the first day of spring practice. And can he even mount a real challenge to be part of the two deep as a true freshman? That's something that we've seen in the first two years under Herm Edwards. And curious to see if, if T. Lee can continue that trend right there. Next defensive back I need to talk about is Mason Williams, who was a teammate of linebacker Jordan Banks at Narbon High School in Harbor City, California. Stands 5'10", 170. To me, he seems more locked in, if you will, to being the cornerback rather than having the versatility to play either cornerback or safety. He's another defensive back that's going to arrive here in the spring. Uh, somebody who's extremely athletic, runs a 4.55 in the 40-yard dash, who is an all-area selection in 100 meters in track and field, considered to be a real ball-hawking prospect if you watch his film. Uh, somebody who really does exhibit a lot of quickness and agility. A very sure tackler who registered 74 total tackles in both his junior and his senior year, deflected 14 passes in his varsity career. So a player that I feel maybe more in 21 rather than 20 can be a serious factor in, in, in the two deep, but nonetheless comes to one of the better high school programs in Southern California, and I have no doubt in my mind that he can definitely stick out early in his Sun Devil career and again coming here in the spring that can help him quite a bit in his development. Next up in the defensive back discussion is the prospect who wins the prize, if you will, for being recruited the furthest away from Tempe, 2,100 plus miles from Tampa, Florida, D'Angelo DJ Taylor, a defensive back from Tampa Catholic. Somebody who, granted, is a solid defensive back in his own right, he was accredited with uh, 68 tackles during his senior year, had uh, two interceptions, three passes deflected. But when you look at his production in terms of scoring and more importantly, really being a special team's threat, he had two punt returns and three kickoff returns for the, for touchdowns. Also had a, an interception return for a touchdown along with two rushing touchdowns, one receiving. Uh, really intriguing player just from the special teams perspective and not to say that he's not going to be a player that's going to make any impact whatsoever on defense, but on special teams, 
And I know it's only arriving here in the summer, so maybe it'll be at somewhat of a dis disadvantage. But nonetheless, I would be very shocked if some way, somehow, he does not become a legitimate factor in Arizona State's return game on special teams. But honestly, I remember talking to members of the staff months and months ago, and they really loved what they saw from DJ Taylor. They really jumped on him early in the process, and he returned the favor, if you will, with the commitment all the way back in June 16th of 2019, which I think is significant, especially when you talk about a prospect living so far away from his school of choice. So that was an excellent job by the Arizona State staff to attract him to Tempe and really making distance a non-factor in his recruitment. So again, I'm anxious to see what he can do on defense, but even more anxious to see what he can do on special teams because when you look at the film, he is definitely a special punt and kick returner without a doubt. In contrast to DJ Taylor, who was recruited really early in the recruiting cycle, Ed Woods, the last signed player that we'll talk about in this 2020 class, hailing from Oakland, California, is a player that really was added to the Arizona State Board really late in the recruiting process, but nonetheless, a player that once the Sun Devil staff identified as being a legitimate prospect to be added to this group of newcomers, definitely made a huge push. You can even argue that they did beat their arch rival U of A not only on the field, but also on the recruiting trail because that was the other school that Ed Woods was heavily considering. Woods stands six foot even, 175 pounds. He hails from Oakland McClellanus High School, a legitimate powerhouse in Northern California and a school that ironically played Pacifica High School where Caleb McCullough hails from in that 2A CIF championship I talked about earlier in the podcast. He was actually named the Oakland League MVP as, as a senior and was part of a team which uh, was 11-0 in the, in, in the regular season. Had uh, four interceptions, one return for a touchdown, as well as three punt returns for a touchdown. So in that sense, kind of similar to DJ Taylor as somebody who can factor down the road as a legitimate special teams weapon. So in terms of other players that we can see added to this 2020 class, right now, the one name that I can report here in the podcast, and I did report on some possibilities on my premium message board, The Devil's Huddle, and this is a great opportunity to remind everybody listening to this podcast, if you want to get much more information about Arizona State's recruiting and just insider news concerning the program, make sure you're a premium subscriber to devilsdigest.com. And the player that already signed his scholarship paperwork, which is different from a letter of intent, and basically will become official the day that he attends his first class of the spring semester, which starts on January 13th, is Texas A&M offensive lineman transfer Kellen Deesh, who is going to be slated to play left tackle for Arizona State in the 2020 season. Uh, again, because he, he's already enrolled in the spring, he will participate in spring practice. The thought is to move Ladarius Henderson, the true freshman who started most of the season at left tackle to move Henderson to right tackle and let Deesh be the blindside protector for Jaden Daniels this upcoming season. He's a player that the Sun Devil staff identified, I would say around mid-season, and 
once he entered the transfer portal, it really was a fast track, if you will, for him to becoming a Sun Devil. So he's somebody that we'll get to see in spring practice to see what kind of quality pickup it was for the Sun Devil staff on a position of great need. We all know that the offensive line pay, play f- for the Sun Devils in 2019 really left a lot to be desired, whether it's run blocking or pass protection. And the hope is that a veteran like Dish can come in and at least help somewhat in that area. I know another offensive lineman transfer that they're looking at is slated to play left guard alongside Dish. So really trying to get as much experience as possible on that defensive line for Arizona State, who really might have no more than two upperclassmen in its two deep. So it's definitely imperative for ASU to get some experience on that offensive line. And getting Deesh is a, a definitely important start and a step in the right direction. And we'll see if they can add a veteran, maybe even two veterans, to that offensive line. Shifting gears to Arizona State basketball, and there's really no two ways to describe what happened on Tucson and Saturday night, an absolute throttling at the hands of its arch rival as the Sun Devils fall to the Wildcats 75-47, to a game where Arizona State shot only 30% from the field, 14% from three-point line, and 42% from the free-throw line, so... No matter how close or how far those shot attempts were going up, uh, they were definitely failing at a much higher rate than previous games that Arizona State has played. But really, if you want to be honest, I think that you can definitely make a legitimate claim that Arizona State was backing in, if you will, into Pac-12 play. Because you look at the last three contests of the non-conference for Arizona State, and you see a 40-point loss to St. Mary's, a game that was played on a neutral court, but also in Arizona State's backyard at Talking Stick Arena in downtown Phoenix. Then a game in Tempe to Creighton losing 67-60, a game that Arizona State did lead at halftime and was definitely a winnable game by all accounts when you look at it. And the last game of the season against Texas Southern, was a convincing 98-81 win, but obviously that team was nowhere near the caliber of a St. Mary's or a Creighton, so it might have been fool's gold in some respects, and you can make the argument that that definitely manifested itself Saturday night in Tucson, a game that Arizona State never led, really does not have a whole lot of positives at all to show for. And it's one thing to play a challenging non-conference schedule, finish 9-4, and four, maybe not have any loss that would be considered a horrible loss, but at some point you do need to win the games that will stick out on your NCAA tournament resume. 
And if Arizona State still has any hope of making that field of 68 to hear their name called on Selection Sunday, they need to have some head-turning performances and fast. And obviously what happened in Tucson on Saturday night, Duffy does not qualify as one. Arizona State, for the eighth time in the last 12 seasons, started out Pac-12 play on the road. They have two more games to play away from Tempe at the Oregon schools, Oregon State on Thursday, Oregon on Saturday. Those are not going to be a cake, uh, cakewalk by any means. Then they're coming back to play Colorado and Utah at home before playing U of A and Tempe on the 25th. So the next five games are going to be extremely challenging and really maybe not a whole lot less challenging than this contest in Tucson on Saturday night was. And the question is, where does Arizona State go from here? I know it's still early in the season. Bobby Hurley said that the good thing about what happened uh, on Saturday night is that you still have 17 games in Pac-12 play to correct it. But how much confidence do the players and coaches actually have in turning around the fortunes of this program? I know that the ASU fans right now are definitely not optimistic by any means that this can be done. Again, I just feel that there was a lot of writing is on the wall, if you will, in the last couple of weeks leading up to Pac-12 play. And it was maybe naive to think that Arizona State can just turn everything on a dime and really start playing much better basketball than they did in the couple of weeks preceding conference play. So the loss to Arizona may be a little surprising that it's been lopsided as it was, but nonetheless, the loss in and of itself, I don't think comes as a great shocker to Arizona State fans just based on how the Sun Devils have performed in recent weeks. A lot of questions about Junior Ford Romero's wide availability for this game. He did have a, what looked like a very serious ankle sprain in the last non-conference game that Arizona State had back in December 28th against Texas Southern. And there were a lot of questions as to whether he could get healthy in a matter of seven days to play this game against Arizona. Well, he did play, did actually play 24 minutes, but did go scoreless 0-3 from the field. Maybe even worse than that, 0-2 from the free throw line. Did have five, five rebounds, committed only one turnover, but obviously was not a factor at all on offense or defense for Arizona State. That definitely hurt him because... All the games that Arizona State won this year, Romello Wide was definitely one of the standouts. Uh, Remy Martin continues to be the highest high scorer for this team and probably the most consistent player for the Sun Devils right now. And granted, he didn't have a great game, but still scored 20 points for, for ASU, shot three and eight, three of eight, I'm sorry, from three-point range, but only had one assist, really wasn't able to direct the Arizona State offense as he did in other games in December. And I think the offensive flow or the lack thereof of Arizona State is something that's really hurting them quite a bit. I know that it really has been an issue, it seemed like, from the season tip-off until now. But it's something that I feel that the coaching staff really needs to figure out in a hurry to try and salvage this season. I think Romello White really said it best after the game, say, I feel like we just have to come together as a team and talk among 
amongst each other as to what's the problem. Our offensive is just sticking to one side. We're not moving. At the same time, Romelo White did identify one of the issues, and that's just not being physical, not being aggressive enough, and really getting pushed around by the Wildcats. So I think that's something that's much more controllable for Arizona State and something that you would hope you would not see in the next contest for the Sun Devils, which is going to be Thursday night in Corvallis facing Oregon State. Now, this might be just the start of Pac-12 season, the opener again being Saturday night in Tucson, but you're deep enough into your campaign that it's really hard to change gears, to quote Bobby Hurley. So he said that the personnel, it is what it is, and we just need to ride it out and just figure out how we can continue the direction that we're going in terms of our philosophy on offense and defense, but obviously executing better. But in terms of reinventing the wheel, trying to employ a brand new scheme, it's just too late in the season to try and go that route. Right now for Arizona State, you have starters like Rob Edwards, who played only 15 minutes, but some I know would like to see the points reduced even that much more because Edwards in the last five games, including Saturday night, is four of 32 from the field. And the fact that he's still starting for Arizona State is definitely a huge head-scratcher. Tayshawn Cherry, just an absolute awful night, playing 17 minutes and fouling out, having three turnovers and being held scoreless. There is absolute zero argument to be made that Tayshawn Cherry is not suffering from a sophomore slump. Absolutely has been a non-factor all season long. I don't know if he can point to his suspension from the season opener in China against Colorado, something that maybe mentally has not recovered from yet. But either way, just not even being the marginal factor that he was for the Sun Devils during his freshman year this past season. If you're looking for some other bright spots, uh, again, we talked about Remy Martin uh, having another 20-point game. Kimani Lawrence, who scored 11 points in the Last non-conference game of the year against Texan Southern, scored eight in Tucson, played 29 minutes. I think the most eye-popping stat was his four blocks that he had on the night, also had five rebounds. So you wonder if he can become more and more of a factor, maybe even starting for Rob Edwards uh, sooner rather than later. That's something that is worth tracking. Uh, Jalen Graham the freshman forward who missed the last couple games due to a concussion. Pretty productive night, playing 10 minutes, having uh, four points, two rebounds, a block of his own, and trying to establish some kind of inside presence for Arizona State, which was really mission impossible, especially with the struggles Romello White. So it's really hard to have any optimism right now concerning this Arizona State basketball team. I think that every fan would like to be proven wrong in that sense. But to say that the confidence level in this team is extremely low would be hardly a hyperbolic statement to make. I know that in the days leading up to the Arizona contest, Bobby Hurley said he didn't mind starting three games on the road. He did welcome the challenge 
And I know that as a coach, there's really no other statement you can make when asked the question or just wanting to make an assertion of your own that your team is ready for every and any challenge that stands ahead of them. But suffice to say that maybe Hurley knows deep down that he simply does not have the horses, so to speak, to compete with the upper echelon teams in the Pac-12, maybe not even the middle of the road teams in, in this conference to be successful and a very long and frustrating Pac-12 campaign that just started on Saturday night in Tucson is more than likely that what's in store for Arizona State. But still, I think there might be some wait-and-see approach that we need to take. Maybe Arizona State some way, somehow can turn its fortunes against all odds. Stranger things have happened. We've seen a lot of improbable storylines in Pac-12 basketball manifest themselves in, in the last few years. Maybe Arizona State is going to be one of those stories. So perhaps compared to other podcasts in recent months, uh, this one ends on kind of a more sour note than others. But we have to report uh, the Sun Devil news, good or bad. And as we know, there was much more positive news in the football department for the Sun Devils. And when it comes to the basketball department, not a whole lot of positives to report right now, but maybe the trend can be reversed. We shall see. So that will do it for this episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast. Again, I would encourage anybody that's not already a subscriber for devilsitis.com to subscribe today. You can get much more of an insight about football, basketball, everything and anything Sun Devil sports related on my premium message board, The Devil's Huddle. Thanks again for tuning in. Again, hope everybody is starting out 2020 on the right foot and we will talk to you again later on this month i was living in a devil town i didn't know it was a devil town oh lord it really brings me down about the devil town